0: Welcome to Oh No, Ross and Carrie, the show where we don't just report on fringe science... Claims of the supernatural and spirituality, but take part ourselves.
1: Yep, when they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Carrie Poppy.
0: And I'm Ross Blotcher.
1: And today we have with us a special guest, a board certified genetic counselor who's currently working in the field of reproduction. She has a master's from Sarah Lawrence College, and her name is Megan Gillespie. Hello, Megan. Welcome, Megan. Thanks. This now is she's... the me. first time we've talked to you. Yes, yes, it is. No,
0: she's board certified, she's not bored. And right. she's a certified. And she's
1: certainly not boring. You're Although right. Some days
0: we'll try not to bore you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been a while since we've had an expert, a legitimate, knowledgeable person on our show to talk about our subjects. So, can you tell us a little bit about what you do and your expertise?
2: So, yeah, like Harry said, I'm a board-certified genetic counselor. I work in kind of the fertility industry world, and I, too, just like Ross and Carrie, took their 23andMe test. I did as well, Um, so I Uh have a little bit of knowledge behind this. Excellent. um,
0: And you did listen to our podcast, right? I did, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you can tell us everything we did wrong. Yes. Good.
1: (laughs) Our Our listeners need to know. Fertility. You said you work You work in fertility as well? Mm-hmm. So you know not only how these markers affect my personal risk, but maybe the risk of my progeny to get these things. I thought you're not going to have any progeny. Well, you're right. You're right. <laughs> oh, dig she in is deep.
0: listening. She's listening
1: to every episode. <laughs> yeah. But some of these things tell me not only my risk, but if I were to have progeny, what their risk would be too. Yeah, yeah. potentially. Um, so, so
0: people are coming to you not only with their own results, but with their mate as well saying... We want to have children.
2: Potentially, yeah. Okay. Um, you know, one of the things that 23 Me does is actually uh, carrier risk, um, not just the disease risk, like right. car- car- cardiovascular disease, but they also do like hemochromatosis carrier screening, which I am a carrier for. Mm. What is that? Um, it means that, well, it doesn't mean anything for me, but if I were to be affected, I could potentially, my body wouldn't be able to process iron, and iron would accumulate potentially accumulate in, in various organs and lead to organ failure. But oh. actually, majority of cases or majority of people are affected um, are pretty much asymptomatic until they reach about 50, 60. And usually men are more affected more than women because women bleed every month, so they oh. get rid of their iron.
1: All right. Okay. Yep. So fun stacked.
0: So donate blood regularly, men.
1: Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So you can give all your iron to other people. Sure. So if you have a lot of iron stored up in your body, does that, does that make your organs less wrinkly? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, I get it. I get it.
1: <laughs> like iron. Ross is still figuring it out. You don't iron your insurance do you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. All right. I get it now, at least.
1: <laughs>
0: so, so so you're counseling people. People come to you. Do they seek you out, or does a doctor refer you?
2: Both ways. Okay. Both ways. It kind of depends on the circumstance. For example, you know, if, if you're seeing your on- on- oncologist, for, you know, cancer or a family history of cancer, he may then refer you to a genetic counselor to talk about your you know cancer risk and what type of testing is appropriate.
0: And are you largely managing fears and expectations? People are coming to you saying, oh, no, I did this 23andMe test and now I'm all freaked out?
2: Um, not as much as you think. the The reason I kind of I did it for myself was to be able to understand that I've had a couple of patients, one in particular, that we weren't necessarily talking about his results, but it came up in the conversation mm-hmm. that he had a pretty strong family history of breast cancer on his dad's side of the family, actually. And he said, oh, well, I've, I've had testing done. And I asked him, what company did you use? Who, who did the testing? What type of testing was done? And he said, oh, well, I did it through 23 and Me, and I was mm. negative. Mm-hmm. That really meant nothing to me because what 23 and Me does is they focus on three common mutations in the BRCA1 and 2 genes that are commonly found in the Jewish population. My patient wasn't Jewish. Okay. So having a negative result didn't matter.
0: It seems like, I, I, I should say, we Jewish people, I'm a, co- <laughs> I'm a quarter Jewish through my mother's mother. Mm. It seemed to have a lot of genetic problems.
1: So
2: yes and no. They have been a very active... Community in terms of r- eradicating diseases that are common in their community, mm. like Tay-Sachs disease, hmm. so they've been very proactive about research and and finding treatments and cures and genetic predispositions, those types of things.
0: Cretzfeld Jacob and uh, Chagall's disease. It just seems like there's a lot. Yeah, of yeah, yeah. Tay-Sachs,
2: things. Gaucher disease, familial dysautonomia. There's there's plenty to go around. And I think I feel like every population has its own things Mm -hmm. um okay so so
0: for this gentleman you were saying they're testing for something that's found in the jewish population but you may have the breast cancer gene through some other means
2: right so he may have a mutation in one of the the brca one or two genes that wouldn't be those three mutations it would Mm. be you know somewhere else along the
1: gene potentially
0: an an independent mutation that would have a similar effect
1: oh absolutely yeah okay yeah So if someone gets tested for BRCA through some other service, Mm -hmm. they might be looking at completely different markers in the... So no.
2: So this is... I mean, it's actually... 23andMe is Mm -hmm. scientific-based as far as the BRCA 1 and 2 gene mutations that they're looking at. It's just that... The, the BRCA1 and 2 genes are fairly large genes, and you can have a mutation anywhere along this gene mm-hmm. um, that can predispose you to getting breast or ovarian cancer. There are three common mutations, what we call founder mutations within the Jewish population, mm-hmm. that if, if you're Jewish and you have a strong family history of breast and ovarian cancer, if you were to test positive for a mutation in the BRCA1 or 2 gene, mm-hmm like 90% of the time, it's going to be in one of these three right, spots.
1: Right.
0: So for that population, it is very highly correlated, and it's useful information. Mm-hmm, exactly.
1: Okay. So, you know, you mentioned that this is a pretty scientific process, but as a scientist looking at this, was there anything that made you flinch, made you say, oh, they're not doing this right, it's unscientific, or it's not handled well?
2: Yeah, um, I can understand why they they would test for things like BRCA these three mutations because there are actual preventative measures that you can take. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you can increase your screening for breast cancer and that type of thing. Mammograms, you know, switched off by MRIs. But things like Alzheimer's uh, Mm -hmm. disease risk, you know, I'm not thrilled that they're testing for that Mm -hmm. Um, because there's nothing you really can do. Mm -hmm. And It can really freak people out, you know. Carrie, you and I have the same disease risk for Alzheimer's. We Mm -hmm. had an increased risk. It was twofold over the general population, so fourteen percent. And I know that fourteen percent, while increased, is still relatively low risk. Yeah,
0: for all of those, I would try to like picture a little population of Rosses that divide well into that number. So yeah, for like. 14%, 14%, I would think of seven Rosses, and oh, only one of them gets it. So maybe I'm one of the six.
2: Right, mm-hmm. right. Maybe but, you you're know,
0: one of the six, Carrie. Uh,
2: uh, likely. Likely. Yeah.
0: Probably one of the six. <laughs> yeah, see, odds <laughs> are, maybe odds one of the be ever Every in, in your favor.
2: favor.
0: <laughs> but you think that it doesn't help anybody to know that because there's nothing they could do to prevent it.
2: Right. You know, and, and there's been some chatter and talk about, oh, well, you know, you can exercise more, that'll reduce your chance right. of getting Alzheimer's. If you get a result back that your genotype is E4, E4, which increases your risk 11-fold, mm-hmm. I mean, that would be devastating mm-hmm. for me anyways. I had a, when I when I saw my results and I saw the increased risk, my immediate reaction, I literally said out loud, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. And Then I had to calm myself down Mm. and put on my genetic counselor cap Uh um, and talk myself down from like, oh, this really isn't that big of a deal. But if if my genotype was E4, E4, I might have had a different reaction. Sure. Um,
1: Yeah, it was relatively easy for me to say, oh, well, 14%, like I'm still highly unlikely to get this disease. But, you know, if it had been 70-something percent, that would be pretty...
0: Yeah. Right, you, you can always state these conversely. you can say, oh, you have an eighty six percent chance of not getting alzheimer's yay, right,
1: <laughs> right. right, but if it had been seventy something percent that I would right. right if it had been on the flip side, <laughs> yeah. that right. can be it's really you know concerning tough to deal with. yeah yeah
0: so uh, for me, I saw that I had much higher than the average chance of getting prostate cancer mm-hmm. it was like 17 i think was the baseline somewhere in there and then i was like 25.7 percent. and my dad just got surgery for prostate cancer so if i came to you after having gotten these results and said oh no what do i do mm-hmm. what would i do
2: um, <laughs> Gary, i'm
0: getting free counseling out of this <laughs> um,
2: don't tell megan <laughs> i charge by the hour um <laughs> so yeah i mean it, it would be probably in your best interest to to have early screening done you know talk to your doctor about about this risk that you have and based on your family history alone he would probably have kind of early screening for you
0: I'm 30 so I probably don't need to worry about it not for usually
2: a while. no but perhaps 40 45 um, okay you know consider that get your PSA blood testing to you know check for markers of a it's, kind of, it's a tumor marker basically mm.
0: no it seems like I keep hearing news stories about us moving away from constant screening diseases that decision-making bodies have kind of come to the conclusion that it's more harmful in the long run for all these people to be getting all these screenings all the time?
2: Yeah, there's there's controversy within the medical community because we know that screening leads to prevention um, and leads to lower mortality. Mm-hmm. But it is costly. And, you know, with insurance, increases and, and things like that, it it certainly, it's kind of a fine balance. And I think the most important thing is look at your family history. You know, if you have a history of prostate cancer, you might want to get your screenings. If you have a history of breast cancer, you might want to get your screenings. Okay. Um,
0: now are, are doctors regularly calling on this kind of Sequencing or genotyping, what what would they ask for? Do they go through a service like Twenty Three and Me, or do they ask for something else?
2: No. So so Twenty Three and Me is is direct to consumer. So this means you don't have to go to your doctor to have this testing done. You pay ninety nine dollars, you get a kit, you spit in it, you send it off, mm-hmm. um, and get the results yourself for you to interpret on your own. But Doctors will order testing, you know, based on the situation. So, for example, you know, a woman who is planning a pregnancy um, or who is already pregnant, um, she would probably be offered various carrier screening to. You know, look at her chance of of having a baby with
0: you life threatening, yeah life
2: threatening mm-hmm. cystic fibrosis, that type of thing.
0: I mean, then that's tough. Well, I guess that's why <laughs> why you need a counselor for something like that. Are people trying to make decisions about whether they should go forward with a pregnancy based on these kinds of Oh, results? absolutely,
2: absolutely, you know, and it and it kind of depends on person's background. Some people won't want to test because they say,'m I will never terminate a pregnancy, no matter what i don't I don't want to know this mm-hmm. result. Um, other people say, you know, I wouldn't terminate a pregnancy, but I do want to prepare for this, mm-hmm. you know, for a child with special needs. You know, I want to do the testing. And then there are other people that say, well, absolutely, I would terminate for this life-threatening disease. Sure. Um, so it's kind of dependent on, on the patient.
1: Mm. And mm-hmm. do people come to you mid-pregnancy like that? And you have to sort of talk them through those decisions? Yeah, wow. yeah. That happens all the
2: time. <laughs> Sadly, you know, and in the in the best kind of – the the ideal situation is – to screen and have screening done before you plan a pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So you know what you're kind of coming up against. Mm-hmm. The worst situation is when a you know, patient is five months along and mm-hmm. she finds out she's a carrier for spinal muscular atrophy which is a Mm. devastating disease and and kids usually die before the age of five right you know and and to find that out then and then to have to test the partner which may or may not be available um Mm -hmm. it's it's very hard i mean she's already pregnant you're already you know going through all these crazy emotional hormones and Mm -hmm. that type of thing so um wow yeah
1: yeah well that's a tough job yeah (laughs) <laughs>
2: boy. boy
1: downer
0: yeah. thanks a lot miss oh, sorry. Oh, oh, oh,
1: oh.
0: <laughs> Did you catch anything as you were listening to our podcast that we kind of got factually wrong or maybe God, might have misled um, people?
2: You know, I I was listening to it as I was driving on the 10. That's a freeway here in That's Los a freeway Angeles. Here we here have been Los known Angeles. to cause
0: accidents. So,
2: yeah. Um, Careful. <laughs> I I don't particularly remember. I wish I had listened to it, I guess, in preparation of this. No, no. <laughs> no i uh, nothing
1: stuck out as nothing hideously wrong. Nothing stuck
2: out. I did find myself talking to myself like in response to what I thought. Not, as you guys were talking. And,
1: the, and and are you at high risk for schizophrenia? <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: I was going to make I some marker joke.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I was not. Okay.
1: <laughs> okay just checking.
0: <laughs> now, I, I want to also say that we kind of ended up as a commercial for 23andme.com. Mm-hmm. There are other services out there. People are kind of asking about that ancestry.com has a related genetic genotyping. So
2: what they what what ancestry.com family tree DNA
0: National gene- Geographic Geographic.
2: they do ancestry based testing alone mm-hmm. they don't do any kind of disease risk calculations or anything uh, like that okay there are other companies Navigenetics. there's a one called decode me i'm actually not sure if they're in business anymore okay
0: there are a number of them out there yeah just 23andme is one of the best known most advertised most
2: advertised with a
0: large group of Mm -hmm. people to kind of compare your results Mm -hmm. against Mm -hmm. though uh, our producer Ian Kramer also told me about Promethease which is a service after you've tested yourself with 23andme it can kind of compare you against other databases and give you sort of the results that they would give you Hmm. based on your genotyping
1: And is is that service at cost, or is it free?
0: Good thing you asked. It takes about 10 minutes and costs
1: $5. Oh, okay. So it's cheaper than finding out if you're possessed by demons, a la Bob Larson. Yes. Interesting.
0: (laughs) Many things are. (laughs) Oh, I, I wanted to ask about falsifiability, because we deal with that a lot. You know, when we're talking to, you know, psychics or palm readers, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing, they're telling us things that maybe we know about ourselves and certain things they'll say and we'll be like, aha, that's right. Mm -hmm. And the other things we are like, I don't know if that's right or it could be right. Or, you know, oh, we may never know. But it seems like an idea is stronger when it's falsifiable, when you could state something that would make it incorrect. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering with this kind of testing, is there anything that would be falsifiable?
2: Um. Yes and no.
0: Be- because like when it said, you know, you have a chance of this, you know, a heightened chance. then right. I would say, oh, well, I don't have that. Oh, well, it was still a probability. You right. know, where could I come and mm-hmm. say, you know what, that was wrong. It said I was going to have blue eyes and I don't.
2: Right. You know, it's scientific based, but it's not perfect. And there are a lot of diseases that there are many genes involved, many modifying and environmental factors that can contribute So yes and no. So one of the things actually that that came up with me is it said I was likely tolerant to lactose. Mm -hmm. Ah. But I am not. Um, I am very lactose intolerant. It
0: got me the other way around. It said that I was likely lactose intolerant, but as far as I know, I'm not.
2: Well, it's funny because you mentioned that because it's very common in the Jewish population. There there Mm -hmm. you go. You Uh, kind of have to take things with caution just because it says that you likely have this. They're predicting it based on a few scientific markers that they can back up, but Mm -hmm. there are
1: others that they're not looking at. Mm -hmm. So it's a fine line. Well, what about if you... No, I'm just shooting in the dark here, but what if, what if, Megan... You took three hundred people for whom the likelihood of getting, let's say, Alzheimer's was supposed to be fourteen percent mm-hmm. and you followed them through their deaths mm-hmm. and you found out that no, fourteen percent of those thirteen hundred people didn't get Alzheimer's, only two percent did. Would you consider that a falsifying piece of data or Well, that's a good
2: question. I mean, science is mm-hmm. and and particularly genetics is always evolving. Mm-hmm. It's science, right? So longitudinal studies need to be done on this. They're not there because this testing came out in mid to early 2000s. So we don't have that kind of extra piece. But a lot of the things that they're testing for, have a lot of scientific evidence. For example, the Alzheimer's thing, um, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of data on the APOE gene, that they can say that this is a good You know, risk estimate, and Um, it
0: seems that the way that they've gotten those estimates is by following three hundred people. Exactly,
2: exactly, sure, exactly. And uh, you know, as you saw on the on your results, some things were measured. They showed it as four stars, and then three stars, and two stars, and that was a a, you know, kind of a clinical, yeah, the Mm -hmm. confidence factor exactly. And I tended when I looked at my results, I only looked at the ones that had that high confidence, right? Mm -hmm. um, Because the ones that even had a three star. was only one study mm-hmm. large cohort but still one study mm-hmm. right sure
0: more studies larger sample sizes exactly
2: the exactly
0: now what about i i've heard of like people getting these kind of results like from national geographic or whatever and then saying oh i've now connected with my homeland i'm gonna go <laughs> visiting this country and i'm gonna meet all my brothers mm-hmm. and sisters tell us why that's silly
1: um, or not. Well, you <laughs> Tell know, us why give, it's give, silly. Me, give me an excuse to vacation.
2: So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you're right.
2: I should say that ancestry haplogrouping is not my area of expertise. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is kind of some caution to be had. For example, when they're looking at your mother's ancestry, they're looking at the mitochondrial DNA. Okay. The DNA so the mitochondrial is a, is an organelle in the cell that is only passed down through the maternal line mm-hmm. um, so, it's, yes. so it's only in the egg when you think of egg and sperm it's only passed on through the egg and in the paternal line they're only analyzing the Y chromosome right. which right. females don't have. Mm-hmm. So
0: th- they're not getting any information about their paternal line because it's just not there?
2: Exactly so, so when I did this testing and I got my results I shared it with my family and my dad got really interested in the, in the ancestry part and did it himself. Mm. So I have my paternal oh, line right. mm-hmm. through his Y chromosome. Oh. Um, sure but it's not necessarily data that they're analyzing your genome compared to other people, but a portion of your genome. So it's that Mm -hmm.
0: one thing that gets passed down.
2: Yeah, Um, and I think there was a study that came out a few years ago. I believe it was published in the National Geographic about... It was the Ancestral Eve was, I think, the the title of the... Oh, yeah. You remember that? Yeah, I Um, do. And they were basically able to link back every person to a a single woman, um, the, the ancestral Eve. And they were saying it as, this isn't a, we didn't come out from this one person it was all the other maternal lines died off Mm -hmm. right Right. Um, sure
0: and then of course everybody misinterprets that and says oh we all came from this one woman 170,000 years ago or whatever it was and you
2: know the farther you go back we're all related so sure
0: but you could do that not just for the mitochondrial dna but for any single gene in the entire human population right you could trace it back to a
2: potentially yeah um you know, there are certain, like I mentioned, founder mutations previously, there are certain mutations that are common in certain populations that you can kind of see this, that you carry this particular mutation. So it's likely that you are that type of ancestry or from that certain ethnic group. Mm-hmm. So it's possible, it's certainly possible to do that. Um, but I, you know, there's, there's certainly caution, because 23 Me is like, We'll have a little pop up and say, "Hey, you're fifth—you—you, you, this person is potentially a fifth, mm-hmm. fourth, or fifth cousin. You know, right. Do you want
1: to send a message?" And I'm like, "No, they're strangers. Like, <laughs> uh-huh. why?" Well, I'm, I'm not like you, and I—I I was like, "Yes," on all of them. But then it told me absolutely nothing interesting. It would be like, Gail has brown eyes." Hmm. Oh, great! Whoa! Well, we have a lot in common That's there, rare. right?
2: Yeah. <laughs> So right. I didn't get um, a lot out of it. but Yeah, I did confirm that my dad is actually my dad. So oh, I guess congrats. That is important. Congrats. Yes. Um, my Big mom had a, a lot of explaining to do. <laughs> <in> that <laughs> but uh, that's certainly a potential for disaster. If,
0: and a potential yeah. for falsifiability, too, yeah. I guess, in a way. If, well,
2: yeah. If, yeah. Falsifiability I mean, in your own family history. Like your family story.
0: Yeah. If right. you find yeah, out. Yeah, but told you you had a different dad. Right. And then you'd be like, wait a second, dad. Are you not telling me the story correctly?
1: You know, I know somebody now I want to go say to him, prevent your brother from getting 23 and me. (laughs) Why? Because his brother doesn't know that his dad is not his dad.
0: Oh, see? Oh. Oh. And
1: actually, it's a person you know, Ross. I'm going to write down the person's name.
0: Don't let this person (laughs) listen to the podcast. Oh, my. Really?
1: Yeah. Brother is not his brother.
0: Oh my yeah. goodness. Or is his half
1: brother is his And his brother his doesn't know that. Brother. His half brother right. doesn't
0: know that. Okay.
1: Right. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, non paternity is a is a tricky thing with
2: when, when it comes to genetics. We, yeah. We, it runs it happens. Actually it non, happens. Non paternity
1: is a tricky thing anywhere, I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well that, that's always the explanation of why uh, the Jewish people have always kind of calculated uh Heritage through the matrilineal mother- mm. line is because uh-huh. you can't fake who was your mother. Right.
2: Sure. Right. You can still and
0: swap at the hospital, I guess.
2: My dad always likes to say, Mommy's baby, Daddy's maybe.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> God.
0: Boy, Cynical. there's got to be a Hallmark card for that. <laughs> yeah, it says that on the front and the inside. Turns out I'm not actually your father.
1: That's <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah one of the things with the ancestry with with twenty three and me is that what it says is when it comes up, and I wrote it down here it says it looks like you may have ancestry from these continents because of or these countries because large pieces of DNA are identified of that of other twenty three and me members from these places <laughs> so <laughs> the, but the but the key word there is other 23 and me members from these places right mm-hmm. so they've self-identified exactly as being from there. exactly they've self-identified they've filled out that survey to say that oh mm-hmm. well my my father was born in nebraska and my you know my mother was born in nebraska and my <laughs> um and apparently i live in <laughs> <And apparently, yeah. laughs> but it's kind of a biased group um mm-hmm. so like
0: it's you a know. form of data entry into this whole system, exactly. but not as reliable.
1: Exactly. Yeah, especially because I know so many people who don't really have their thumb on where they're from, mm-hmm. or not even from, where their ancestors are from. Like, I was told my whole childhood that we were German, and that my given last name, Schneider, was uh, originally Schneider, which is a German name. Right? Mm-hmm. And then when I went to the Netherlands, I was like, holy shit, everyone here is my fucking clone. And I went back, and I told my dad, like, I look so Dutch it''s it's, in, it's huh. insane and then he's like oh really huh that's interesting So then I went and looked up the name Snyder as it was SNIDER not um, Schneider. And that's that's a Dutch name. And I told my dad, and I was like, did you know that there is a Dutch name, Snyder? And he's like, oh, maybe we're Dutch. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. it,
0: It's amazing how quickly this kind of information dies out. Like, we all know know, a lot about our parents. Well, not all of us, but most of us know a good deal about our parents. And we're exactly a half of each of them. But then our grandparents, yeah, we know a bit about. You know, we're a little shaky on some of the details. Great-grandparents, we know almost nothing about. Who's your great great grandparents? Who can even say that? Right.
1: No idea.
2: Actually, my great grandmother's buried in India.
0: Don't prove me wrong.
1: But really? not your great great grandma. Not my great great grandma
2: Where is That's she true. now? I have
1: no idea. <laughs> have, have a kid quick so you can tell them about their great great grandparent. <laughs> right. Well, actually, I visited her grave uh, in February, so we, we oh, went to really? India.
2: And oh, yeah. nice! It was it was, it was it was kind of awesome.
0: <laughs> well, I I think this is good that it'll cause people to keep better records of these things, right. and you know that mm-hmm. knowledge won't be lost. To the past like it has been up to this point.
1: Right. Yeah, and you know the digital age will change so much of that so drastically.
0: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And the Mormons.
1: Yes. The Mormons change everything, don't they?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, they're just very involved in ancestry. Oh yeah. Uh, remember- in fact,
1: I think ancestry.com belongs to the Latter Day Saint Church. I've heard that. Yeah.
0: I was stating that briefly, but it, it came as a big revelation to me, and it should be obvious. But like, I used to always just think, "Oh, you're half of each one of your parents, and like a quarter of each one of your grandparents." Mm-hmm. But then. I realized one day, wait a second, you're only approximately a quarter of each of your grandparents, and then approximately an Mm -hmm. eighth of each of your great grandparents. And then it becomes approximate. And very quickly, you get the possibility that there's a great, great grandfather, grandmother that you have almost no genetic Mm -hmm. information from. Right. And I think people forget this. uh, Totally sidebar. But I remember like, seeing the whole genealogy of Jesus thing. And then thinking of it from a genetic standpoint like, oh, he's the, you know, thirty-three greats grandchild of David. Mm-hmm. Like what does that even mean? It doesn't. Statistically, right. It means nothing means-
2: <laughs> 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 that kind of diminished piece. You know, you you one half, one fourth, one eighth, one sixteenth, one thirty second, one sixty fourth. I mean, it gets small really fast.
1: Yeah, I'm always tempted when people say like, oh, you know, I'm related to Cleopatra to be like, me too! Because like, <laughs> right. I, anything you say, I figure, well, maybe you know where the line is, but I'm sure I am too. <laughs> I did yeah. once I did once
2: uh, have a patient who was the cousin of Carl Sagan. Oh, well, that's I was sweet. very. I was very impressed with that's that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm impressed. <laughs> Can
0: awesome. we
1: touch you? <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> they are billions of times more related to uh, 10 oh than Jesus
1: we are.
0: fuck! <laughs> oh come on, yours is worse. <laughs> what did I say? I can't even remember now. You said like a really bad joke near the beginning of this.
1: Oh, I don't even remember.
0: Uh, I don't know. Well. Alzheimer's setting in early. <laughs> oh, that was another thing. Like uh, all of this seems very hazy. There's all these kind of error bars and gradations and bell curves going on here. And it seems like the definition of a gene is itself even kind of difficult. Yeah. It's like a particular chunk of a sequence that remains constant.
2: Right. We like to confuse you. Basically, a gene is something that codes for a protein.
0: Oh, okay. That's a
2: simple way of putting it.
0: Okay. Well,
1: that's too simple. I'm satisfied.
0: (laughs) But it was found recently that like a lot of things that we thought were junk actually
1: yeah so what's interesting
2: in the dna sequence is that there's this there's the coding region and then there's the non-coding region and what you can see under the microscope is when dna is replicating these non-coding regions are kind of cut out of the gene sequence to to produce a protein mm. and what ends up happening you know it gets cut out and then it kind of comes back together in this magical way but The more they analyze the human genome, the more they're thinking, well, maybe there's something to this non-coding region. Like, maybe there are modifying factors that that can change whether a gene is turned on or off or those types of things.
0: So confusing. Yeah. I (laughs) I need someone to help me navigate this world. Of genes. That's
2: why, it's why I'm good, here. It's good.
0: <laughs> it's good thing there are counselors out yes.
2: there. Yes, <laughs> yes. And you know that's the funny thing with this with 23andMe is um, when it first came out and these direct to consumer testing came out. There's there was kind of a pushback from the genetics community. You know, you're you're taking the genetic counselor or the geneticist, the expert out of out of the, out the, of the picture, oh, right? Yeah. right? But I don't think it is. You know, I think. I think it actually helps promote our profession right. because we're not just in a traditional setting anymore in a hospital. Mm-hmm. It it pulls us out into you know a different kind of world, a, a non traditional field, I suppose. And it just kind of goes to show you that we're always going to be needed. So kids, or ever more if, you, so, I if think. you're looking for something to get into, genetics is the <laughs> is the way to go. Um, it's going
0: to be more and more relevant.
2: Exactly, exactly. It's constantly growing.
1: And what's the ratio of men to women in your field? Oh, gosh. There's more women than
2: men. Oh, really? Oh, absolutely. Oh,
1: okay. So, so, it's as, not usually what you hear in about terms, STEM fields. In terms
2: of the genetic counselors, there are more women than men. Okay. Geneticists, probably the other way around. Um, okay. Yeah, in my in my graduating class of 19, there were no men. Um, in the class below me, there was one.
1: Wow. Uh, and we he- need more men. Any hint to why that might be?
2: It's a Y um, chromosome. <laughs> yeah, it's the Y chromosome. Um, no, I think it's it's because I think the term counseling kind of deters men. Okay, and there are you know it is a situation where you got a lot of patients crying in your office and uh-huh. those types of things. So
0: they need to call it a genetic. Dude, bro.
2: Dude, bro. Right, right.
0: (laughs) Then more men will sign up. So there will be very few few women in the program.
2: Right. (laughs) You know, and I think women tend to gravitate towards the caring and helping, um, whereas men tend to gravitate towards the research, hard science.
1: So genetics at large might be more male-heavy, but you're particularly probably in it. Yeah. Well, that's very interesting.
0: Are there certain things in the media that you see, like headlines that just really frustrate you, that you think people are just hmm. not being presented properly?
1: It's a good Cause, cause there's... Let's buckle down. How do you feel about Jurassic Park 3D? Yes. Oh, <laughs> oh I don't know. Uh, it's a nice concept. Hmm. but
0: Would that it were true.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't know that I would want it to feature well, dinosaurs you... losing <laughs> people. <laughs> That score doesn't actually play behind everything.
0: Oh. Uh. Well, that kind of ruins it. (laughs) But yeah, do you see things, though, that you... Because Um, there's constantly, you know, like science headlines about studies showing this kind of correlation and that.
2: For the most part, I tend to ignore it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Have you become just so dismayed with the quality of science reporting that you don't even want to read it?
2: I like to go to the source, okay. so if I see something on the news, they're saying, "Oh, this you know autism risk, blah, yeah, um I want to see the study mm-hmm. because I mean autism right now is hot, yeah and <laughs> and it's so out there hot right and now. it's you know and every every other day it's you know a new new thing on autism right. has come yeah. out um yep. and there's a lot of bullshit bullshit, yeah, mm-hmm. so I like to see the 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 actual study,
1: yeah. Autism is a really interesting case study as far as as far as reportage goes. I think because right now so many reporters are taking such due diligence to keep writing to say there is no link between right. vaccines and autism. Yeah. there is still no link between vaccines right. and autism. Which
0: Breaking is, news: no link between vaccines and <laughs> yeah, autism. Just
1: sort of to their credit, uh, almost a surprise. Yeah. Right, London sad card.
0: that they have to, but yeah, that's right. true.
1: Yeah, it's it's. It is sad that
2: they have to do that. Autism's tricky, though. it's really tricky because mm-hmm. we don't know what it is, and we don't know what it what what causes it. Um we don't know what genes are involved with it at all. There are suspicions. There are mm-hmm. certain genes that we know can contribute to autistic like behaviors, seizures, those mm-hmm. types of things. Mm-hmm. but not every kid with autism is going to have that particular gene change. Um, And it's, and it's not just a single gene. Um, Autism is kind of more of a, of an umbrella term um, to use. Like a spectrum. Yeah, it's a spectrum. It's a, it's, it's it's also a symptom, you know, and there are genetic conditions. For example, fragile X being one of them. um, It's an X-linked condition, but the symptom, the basic core of it is, you know, autistic um, like behaviors and mental retardation. So, it is kind of an umbrella term of, of what are we dealing with here. Mm-hmm. It's tricky. It's a tricky one.
0: Who would be looking for a genetic counselor? It's parents, people who are about to have children, who have already had children, people who have done these kinds of tests. Who should be using this and how do they find you?
2: Yes. <laughs> um, who should be using 23andMe? Or
0: or genetic counseling? Who should be talking um, about these issues? Anybody
2: that has questions, basically. You know, I think the the... Empowerment lies in asking questions um, mm-hmm. And taking kind of your own health into your own hands Which is, I guess, what 23 Me is trying to do
1: Or similar services Or
2: similar services <laughs> But, you know, anybody Anybody, you know, who are planning a pregnancy Or if your child has some, some issues that you have concerns about You know, talk to your pediatrician See if you can get a referral If you have a strong family history of, of cancer, Alzheimer's Huntington's disease I mean you name it if you have questions ask
1: is Huntington's disease the one that a lot of people have voluntarily pledged not to have children is that yes okay Mm -hmm. yeah that one's
2: it's autosomal dominant and it's terrible it's Mm -hmm. really terrible and you don't know necessarily if you have it or not because it develops later on in life typically Mm. but actually they see it earlier and earlier with every generation oh
0: So you would say that sequencing and genotyping are useful tools for decision making and will get better as more people use them? Yes. All
1: right. Well, then you're welcome.
0: (laughs) That's right. We've added to the database.
1: (laughs) Cool. Well, thank you for being on our show, Megan. Thanks for having me. And is there anything, any place that our listeners can find you? Do you blog? Do you, do you, You know, I make funny voicemail (laughs) messages they can purchase from you. Um, I I keep myself pretty private, actually. Yeah. So no.
0: (laughs) Are there places they can go to learn more about the subject?
2: Yeah. If uh, if you want to speak to a genetic counselor, you can go to the website for the National Society of Genetic Counselors, which is NSGC.org. And, you know, find a genetic counselor in your area.
1: Cool. Excellent. Great. Well, thank you.
2: Thank you, Megan. You're welcome.
1: Thanks.
0: Well, that's it for our show. Our executive producer is Ian Kramer, and our producer is Brian Thompson.
1: You can see more of what we do, including photos of our investigations, at onopodcast.com or facebook.com slash onrack. That's O-N-R-A-C.
0: And our theme music was written by Brian Keith Dalton of Mr. Deity fame.
1: And before we go...
0: Do you counsel for bringing the mammoth back Or not.
2: (laughs) Um, I am fond of elephants, so I say yes. Yes. If it's a fuzzy elephant, let's do it. (laughs) Even better. It's happening.
0: I'm happy. That's all I wanted out of this conversation.
2: (laughs) How, How do you feel about Snuffleupagus? Snuffy? Yeah. That's my favorite character on Sesame Street. There it is.
0: We need to clone a mammoth. That's all there is to it.